Welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about empty love tanks so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Joining us to discuss this classic self-help text is Duarte, whose love language is... Oh, I love you too, Duarte. What a nice purr you've got there, Duarte. He's just a little guy. (laughs) But I think he'll mostly, I think that's a lot of what he had to say for now. It's mostly just going to be me and Kate on this episode. And we'll circle back to him for his corner. Yeah, of course. Of course. He's not done, but just going on a little break for now. Unless he decides to come in in the middle and destroy your podcasting setup. You know, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. So the five love languages concept, based on our pre-show chatter, I think maybe I was more familiar with it to start off than you were, Kate. It's true. I was aware of it as a thing, but I was mostly aware of it in meme form of people like being like, my love language is potatoes. I've never really looked into or if... I did see the what people talking about what the actual love languages were. I think that I just like because I didn't know what they were, they just fit into the rest of the you know, the memes. The memes. Um I did know people I think one of the very first surveys we did of books that um people suggested we read for the Patreon, uh someone suggested this and I think it's been in our suggested book list for a while. That the form that we have, the Google form. So if you ever have a book you want us to read, there's a Google form. You can find it on our website. But I did not look any further into it to see what the five love languages were. Okay. Yeah, I I knew what they were, and I don't remember when I really first encountered this. But like, there's a there's a free quiz you can take on the five love languages website, and I had taken this in the which is number five lovelanguages.com. We're not sponsored by them, but. That is where the quiz is. Yeah, I had taken this quiz years ago. I don't remember why or like who linked to it. But like all millennials, I love an online quiz. Mm -hmm. And I took it. And I reading it, I was like, oh, this this makes sense to me. And I I found it useful information to think about. And I hadn't read the book. But even like I know like when we did uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, I said in my reader's advisory like, well, I haven't read the five love languages, but I do think that concept is less sexist than this one. And by the way, I do stand by that, Uh, although that it's to be less sexist than Men Are From Mars is like pretty easy, (laughs) pretty easy. But I did like the first half of this book and pretty well. And I like that he is. He explicitly says, I think the love languages are gender neutral, and I don't think it's, you know, that men always have this love language and women always have this one. Yes, it was extremely heteronormative. No, I I don't think he's a, like, progressive guy by any means, but the love languages are gender neutral, and I think that's nice of them. <laughs> so before, having no actual knowledge of what the love languages were, before uh, I actually started reading this book, I went into our friends group Slack and said, uh, we're reading five love languages. I don't know anything about them. So before I read, here's what I think they should be. And my five love languages were memes, hating the same people, sitting on the couch silently on phones together, 
Florbo appreciation and dreaming about abandoning capitalism and society to live in a big haunted house in the woods together. And I, who was familiar with the actual love languages, which we'll tell you what they are in just a minute, but I was like, actually, I think those are all the same love language, which is quality time. (laughs) Although I will say specifically in this book, he, as an old person, does not like it when you look at your phone with another person and does not think it counts as quality time if you're looking at your phone with your when you're with your person. However, what does he know? I mean, especially it's just such an old person take, because if you were reading books in the same room, I'm sure he would be like, yeah, you're spending quality time together. Like, it's basically what I'm doing on my phone, except instead of reading books, I'm reading, you know, dumb jokes from people who are funnier than me. Anyway, so I knew that my actual love language is receiving gifts, and we'll get into that. However, my list in the style of Kate's is Duarte Appreciation snail mail reciprocity agreeing to share a vegetarian appetizer with me understanding which things are too spoopy for me and accepting the validity of a bitch eating crackers complaint about another person which is very similar to kate's hating the same people yeah so if you are dying to know what the actual five love languages are they are receiving gifts words of affirmation acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. And the first half of this book is really just him going in and explaining like what these love languages are, what they mean, what they look like in practice, and sort of like breaking them down. And also explaining his concept that like, yes, people can feel appreciated with more than one love language, but you'll have a primary one. And the way that you naturally go to express love to someone else is probably going to be your default primary love language. And that might be what you need to feel loved. And so it has all these things of like, you know, a couple where the man's primary love language is acts of service. And so he is always like mowing the lawn, putting away the dishes. And the woman is like, My husband doesn't love me. He's always just doing household tasks to avoid spending time with me. And the husband was like, what? I was doing that for you. And she was like, but I just really wanted you to like talk to me. And because my love language is quality time. And, you know, by the way, he is a Christian pastor. And reading this when he talked about his job, I was like, what is happening? Because constantly he would start an anecdote with someone invited me over to their house to spend the night. And I said, yes. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) What's your job? And then I was like, oh, he's as like, I guess maybe a Christian pastor does this. I don't. And some of it seemed like maybe it was like because he travels to visit other churches or for speaking engagements. If he was in town for that, then some people would invite him to stay the night instead of being in a hotel room, which like couldn't be me. But Gary Chapman needed to gather anecdotes for his book, I guess. There's also a lot of like, I was walking around town and someone stopped me and said, and I guess like, I will admit this, I did not grow up in religion. Like I grew up going to church, but it was more of like a, it was, I was not like a part of a church in the way that people who are very religious are a part of, you know, whatever their religious group is where they feel like it's much more of a community. So maybe this is a thing that happens. Like when you're very involved with religion, like you'll be walking down the street and see like, you know, your religious leader and be like, Hey, I have a random question about my relationship 
for you now that we're both at this Wegmans together. Mm-hmm. But like the number of times that he's like, yeah, like I was just taking a walk through a botanical garden with my wife. And then I saw, you know, Alyssa who had an important question for me about her relationship with her husband, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because at first I mistakenly thought he was like a therapist or a counselor. And I was like, this is billable time, my man. What are you doing? <laughs> and and then I and then I kind of looked again. I was like, oh, I guess maybe this is sort of part of your job if you're a pastor. I don't know. So I do think that this concept at its core is a good one and a useful one. And I think I'm thinking back to our good friend Rachel Hollis and her learning that not everyone needs to have a juice cleanse. (laughs) And just to realize like, oh, the things that I want are what everyone wants. And that's like so basic, but it's also kind of complicated to like really internalize. And so... I mean, I said in that episode that like that is still something that I struggle with in in a more like every time I do something fun, I don't have to invite all of my friends because not all of them will like it or all of my friends don't need to be friends with each other because sometimes like people's personalities don't just mesh and that's fine. Yeah. Or counterpoint, like, like I said, my love language is gifts and I know that about myself. And I really like that he is very clear in this that if your love language is gifts, it doesn't mean you're materialistic and it doesn't mean you're like diamonds, please. And it's about the sort of like tangible thoughtfulness and like a note in the mail is a gift and, you know, a handwritten note. I said note already, you know, but those are things that are, it's about, you know, a, a thoughtfulness and not and expensiveness and you know i mean i that's something i always try to do i as anyone who knows me knows i have an extensive stationary hoard and i have like a grandma like database in my head where i'm like kate you like bunnies you're getting the bunnies cards and like if i know something about you like you're getting the owl card because you mentioned you like owls or like whatever. And then I have, you know, I have other friends who who have never once sent me a note in the mail. And even though I said that one of my love languages would be reciprocating mail, like I fully understand, like not everyone keeps stamps at home. Not everyone's into that. And that's fine. But that's my love language, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yes. And I can I can firmly attest to this being Renata's love language. When I was cleaning out my apartment uh, in the early pandemic times, I went through a box of like mementos that I've kept since high school. And I think the earliest note I could find from Renata was like 1999 or 2000. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> There there may have been older ones that didn't make it into the box, because I do also still have a lot of like letters and shit at home, at my parents' house rather, in a box there. But yeah, like I was like, yep, here's the earliest correspondence that I have saved. I think it was like a postcard with some X-Men stickers on the front. Um. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and when I do get mail, like in my home, I tape up notes, like postcards and cards that I get on on the doors so like when I go through a door I I have a little moment to like be like oh what you know Kate sent me this card or like Carrie sent me this card and just they're just like nice little reminders that I can look at and I really like that yeah I I also took the um the quiz after I was done reading the book 
And my primary love language appears to be acts of service, which I would not have expected. I would have expected it to be quality time. And I feel like maybe that has more to do with like my ideas about what quality time is and how they don't necessarily align with what his ideas of quality time are. But regardless, like I, I also recognize that acts of service probably is a, a big part of what, and that I think too kind of stems from me being just a very constantly depressed and stressed out person, uh, an anxious person where like any, anybody making an effort to, <laughs> to help me alleviate some of that, uh, it is always appreciated. I mean, I will say I'm looking at your results. You're 33% acts of service and 27% quality time. So it's a pretty close yeah. one there. Um, you know, because any any of my friends, especially friends who do visits from far away, will tell you that like I'm very pro the like, let's just sit in the same house together and like be on the internet at the same time and share funny Tumblr posts with each other when we find them. You know, like let's just I used to I used to have parties where literally everyone would come over and we just pick television episodes out of a hat to watch together you know for for a lot of it it's just really being in the same place as my friends but also I will say I've got um I have a lot in common with both of my parents I was just saying to my roommate yesterday that when certain phrases come out of my mouth I'm like Caitlin you are your mother but probably like the adult in my adult like I'm not in my 30s uh in my extended family that I really feel like I click emotionally the most with or not emotionally but like that we're the same that we're very similar um is my I one of my aunts and she is a very acts of service person so when I think about the similarities between myself and my aunt I'm like okay yes I can definitely see this <laughs> in me as well okay can i say my favorite act of service that you do for me on a pretty regular basis is whenever you offer to give me a ride for book club i'm just like i i truly appreciate it because <laughs> kate and i are in the same book club hosted by a friend of ours who lives in union square and if you know the area of of union square in boston you Somerville. it's just so it's right in Somerville, in the Boston area. It's so hard to park there, and it stresses me out so much. And so to, like, not have to do that, I'm just like, I love it. Well, I am always happy to do it. <laughs> or if, for whatever reason, Lisa is taking me so that she can use the car and I can drink, or just so I can drink, <laughs> I know that she is also happy to do that on our way there. It's it's so appreciated. Yeah, thinking, reading this also, I was thinking about my parents, and I think my mom's love language is also gifts, and I think, like, a lot of, a lot of my stuff, like, my mom also has a big stationary hoard. My mom is also very into, like, a, a thoughtful little trinket, versus my dad, I think, is acts of service, big time, and my dad is not going to send you a card, not going to wrap a gift, probably not going to buy a gift. But he's going to change the oil in your car before you leave. Like, you know, like he's going to do that. He's going to like come up and be like, oh, I I don't even know. Like I tightened the nuts on the tire. I don't I, know. What he's I did doing. a car thing for your car. Exactly. He's doing the car things. He's coming over and like checking on the furnace or like whatever. Um, And I think growing up like legitimately i'm like oh i think maybe my parents should have read at least the first half of this book because i was like i truly was like oh i see what was happening some of these times 
Yeah, I thinking about it, I think probably my parents, my dad is probably either acts of service or words of affirmation. And my mom is probably receiving gifts or quality time. Uh, my mom is the queen of being like, I was in the store and I saw these hand towels that had owls on them. So I'm going to send them to your cousin. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is like the fifth time you sent my cousin hand towels with owls on them. I don't think she needs any more. But you know what? Like live your best life. <laughs> Yeah, I actually I had to tuck my mom down because she would do that too much. And so we have a, reached a compromise where a lot of times now she'll she's learned to just take a photo of the thing and text it to me uh, instead of actually purchasing and sending it, which is cut down on the amount of like trinkets that I have. But I still count that. And that's when I was saying, Kate, that all of your love languages to me seem to be summarized as quality time. Yeah. I do think sharing memes is technically a gift, so just yeah. like a little cyber gift. Yeah, we have. I actually like have a joke with my mom at this point because she kept for many years buying me spatulas, like cute spatulas, whenever she saw them, and sometimes not cute spatulas, sometimes just regular spatulas. To the point where I was like, "Mom, we literally have twenty spatulas." <laughs> and the thing is, like, we both, my roommate and I, both bake a lot, and we cook four nights a week. So it's not like we don't use the spatulas we have, but like it, I was like I think we're good. Like I think we don't need any more spatulas. And this year for Christmas my mom was like, "You know what I think I need?" <laughs> spatulas. So I did I did buy her some spatulas for Christmas. You know, it's a a spatula can be a love language. It's true. Yeah, so the majority of the book is is generally these anecdotes. He goes through each love language and explains what it is and explains through examples um, based on couples that he met and issues they were having and how, of course, he solved their issues, including one that did feel like borderline abusive. And I'm not yeah. sure how I feel about it. Yeah, I think the reading about the people whose love language was touch made me feel the most uncomfortable because, again... Oh, we should say this book is originally from 1992 and I did read an edition that had been updated. Like it did have occasional references to like Netflix in it and Facebook. Yeah. But the core of this book is from 1992. And I do think that the, there have been some evolving understandings of like boundaries one of and you know i'll give a little semi content warning for this it's not like explicit or anything it's just uncomfortable for i don't know like d- domestic a- anger or one of the last couples that he makes an example of is a woman who the one who i was joking like came up to him in the botanical garden and was like hey and that she was wondering if she could and this and he also dips into christianity for this which i'm not going to get into right now you know she's like can is it possible to love a person that you started to hate and he's like, well, I don't know. That's a good question. And goes into like Jesus and stuff. But essentially her problem is that she's been married to her husband for many years and he treats her incredibly badly. He's rude to her. He yells at her all the time. He like doesn't appreciate anything she does for him. All he does is complain about her. And, you know, he's her husband and she wants to love him. But also like it seems like he hates her and the way that he treats her is making her hate him too. And so Mr. Chapman's idea for how to Dr. Chapman, I don't know, go about this is to find out his love language and then tell him I'm going to be a better wife to you for six months and perform his love language. And his love language is, of course, 
touch focused on sex. By the way, an interjection about Gary Chapman. He is technically a doctor of philosophy. Yeah, I knew he like studied anthropology and shit too, so I wasn't... Yeah, let me... I'll just interject here because it does seem sort of relevant. This guy, not a therapist, not a counselor, has... He went to Moody Bible Institute and has a bachelor's and a master's in anthropology from Wheaton College, which, by the way, is like the religious college where you're not allowed to dance. It's like a footloose college. And then he has a master's of religious education and a doctor of philosophy degree from the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary per Wikipedia. But so he's definitely coming at this from like a Christian worldview. Yes. Yeah. And so it was just very uncomfortable that essentially he says to this woman who's being like berated and ignored and treated very badly by her husband. Oh, well, like if you just do whatever he wants for six months and tell him you're going to be a better wife to him, that might solve your problems. Right. Like anytime he wants sex, like have sex with him, even if you don't feel like having sex with him. Yeah. And of course, at the end, because that's the sort of book this is, she's like, oh, my God, you're right. Like, it saved our marriage. Thank you so much. And it just, you know, and there's there's a a couple other points where it kind of it's like not like there's there's clearly other issues going on with these people. Yeah, big time. Yeah. His point of view is that divorce is bad and you should do almost anything that you can to avoid getting divorced. And I do feel like overall kind of in 2022, the secular perspective is like divorce isn't as big of a deal. And maybe a lot of times it's actually healthier to get divorced than to like stay in a miserable marriage. But that is not Gary Chapman's thoughts on the matter. Yeah, he at one point he's talking about like, something to some woman who's unfulfilled in her relationship and is saying like or no it was a man and says and tells him like the really surprising statistics on what like second and third marriages actually you know how successful they actually are you know and he's shocked by this yeah so yeah like you know most of it like we said is just it's these love languages it's examples about them Another one that I'll call out just because it it was definitely another case of like, there is something more going on here, I think, Mm -hmm. than a problem with love languages is a woman is complaining that her husband doesn't really love her anymore and that he loves softball more than her because after she gave birth to their child, he basically was like there for the birth. And then as soon as the baby was born, he took some pictures, was like, I have to go play softball now and left her. Um, mm-hmm. And then after her mother died, right after the funeral, like when she was on the way home with her siblings, he was like, uh, I'm so sorry. I have to go play softball now. And when Chapman goes to talk to the husband, he's like, oh, I knew she would bring that up. I just like, you know, I was excited to tell my softball friends about the baby. And I figured that everything I needed to do at the funeral was done at that point. So I left. And I thought that she would appreciate that I, you know, helped with the funeral and wanted to tell my friends about how cool our new baby is. And it's like, okay, this is this this is beyond... I feel like leaving the birth of your child and leaving your wife's mother's funeral to go play softball with your friends is beyond I have a different love language and this was not clearly expressed to me and kind of falls into like, this is an incredibly bad taste. 
you know, like, especially because she seems to have, like, if, if your wife is, like, not a great relationship with her mother or whatever, and you're like, okay, everything seems chill now. But, no, she makes it pretty explicit. She was still really upset and on her way home with her siblings, who were also really upset. And he figured, well, she's in the ground now, so bye. Yeah, that one definitely made me wonder if Softball Man was you know, on the spectrum or had some kind of, you know, in some way was neuroatypical where he was able to process this like, well, funeral check mark, softball check mark, you know, and just not not understand what else was at play there. Yeah, I don't know. This is definitely some sort of deeper issue, whether it is um something like that or something like a, a lack of of I don't even know. It's just, it is a weird issue to be like, and then I solved it with the love languages. Yeah. Yeah. So the the first half of the book, like we were saying, it, it goes, you know, one by one through the five love languages. I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to like, if you go and do take this quiz, which I do think the quiz is kind of fun and it's free. And I do think Gary Chapman is like very earnest in his his desire to like help couples stay married like that's his number one goal like i do think like he this quiz is free on the website you can just take it and i think a lot of the other you know if you want to take your enneagram or your myers-briggs like he could be charging money for this quiz and like don't get me wrong this guy's a millionaire and he charges money for the books and for speaking and stuff like that but i think at his core like he wants to keep straight couples married and i I don't know. Like, I think it's nice that you can take this quiz for free. And I think you, anyone, could just sort of, like, take this quiz and read a little bit about what the love languages are. And I think there is value in that. But I think a lot of this other stuff is trash. Yeah. And I think one thing I realized we did is we didn't really explain the love languages. That's what I was circling back to. was like. Because I was going to say, if you want to know what they are, like, go to the, go and take the quiz. And when you take it, it will tell you a little bit about what they are. But, like, yeah, receiving gifts, we went into words of affirmation. I think that one's pretty clear. It's, you know, verbally expressing, like, I love you. I appreciate that you picked me up and took me to book club. Like, I appreciate that you sent me towels with, with owls on it. Yeah. Thank you for vacuuming. Thank you for remembering to clean out the gunk in the shower drain when you were done thank you for mowing the lawn i really like it when you can help me with things like that around the house you're very thoughtful stuff like that yeah acts of service is is just doing the acts of service such as changing the oil in your daughter's car before she leaves driving your friend to book club driving your friend to book club yeah um just sort of tangible stuff like that Quality time is is time spent together, not looking at your phones. And he talks about how this can be like sharing an activity with your partner. Like if you like to golf, take your partner golfing or or it can just be sitting together on the couch and not looking at your phone, stuff like that. And physical touch is physical touch. Yes. And there well. This is going to be one of my dramatic readings. Physical touch is like asterisk. Like sex is included, but sex is separate from it, sort of. And this is, you know, obviously he's heteronormative. He cannot, I think, even process like the concept of an aromantic or asexual person. So like, don't don't look for that. He's because he's just kind of like, well, obviously everyone wants sex. However, and it's like, okay, well, actually, no, they don't. But he's like, physical touch is separate from sex because he's in his mindset like everyone wants sex but physical touch is like the cuddling and kissing and just like 
patting your partner's shoulder when you walk by them in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah, holding hands, giving someone a hug, leaning against someone when you're like sitting on a bench together. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how like almost all men mistakenly think their love language is physical touch because all men are so horny. And it's like, well, okay, much to unpack. And and like I said, that will be one of the dramatic readings. But yeah, physical touch is not necessarily sexual. And in fact, is defined separately from sex. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, like, he does, like, there's a couple examples where, like, a, a man will be like, ah, like, my love language is definitely physical touch because I love sex. And he'll be like, okay, but when you're not boning your wife, what how else do you like to feel good <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then there's definitely times where a, a person is like a man i shouldn't say a person because it's always a man mm-hmm. is like yeah like my wife doesn't have sex with me enough and you know he'll say like yeah like you should have sex more often because physical touch is important mm-hmm. so yes that's maybe a mixed message yes yeah, and it is hard. I mean, like certainly in a marriage in a relationship, like you do need to compromise and maybe there are times when you're not feeling super horny but you don't mind having sex with your partner if that's what they want to do, but it's such a kind of gray area of like you know, I I don't know that Gary Chapman is familiar that like marital rape exists, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think he's like, "Oh, you're married. Like obviously you're going to have sex." Or, like, you know, consent culture or anything, you know? Because, yeah, like, definitely there have been times where I've been in relationships with people who have been, like, I'm feeling sexy. And I'm, like, well, you know, I'm not really. But, like, I like you and I like to make you happy. And I'm not opposed to the idea. So, like, let's go. You know, which is, I think, very different than some of the things that he, where he is saying, like, to women, like, yeah, like, if your partner really feels like sex, like, sometimes you just got to suck it up and do it when he wants it to be a good wife and make your relationship work. And it just feels like it's a very different. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. He talks a little bit in this. There's a separate book of five love languages for children, but he talks about how these are not only for romantic couples and like children will also have their own unique love language and you need to like meet your children where they are in terms of love languages. Or you're going to fuck them up. Or you're going to fuck them up. He doesn't really go into it, but I also think that this is useful for just friends. Yeah, like, I mean, part of it is because I am single right now, despite the fact that I'm trying very hard not to be single, but that's a whole (laughs) other podcast that we don't have time to get into. But I, when I was going through my quiz, like, I 100% was thinking about my friends every time. Like, you know, when it's saying, like, would you rather, like, you know, go to a nice dinner with someone you love or, like, get an expensive gift from someone you love? Like, I was in my head picturing like going out to dinner with all of my friends who I love so much and getting to spend time with them. Pandemic also is maybe weighing into this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the book. And I think that's kind of what we liked about it. Yes. Or at least didn't hate about it. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll say I've said it before. I do think that the I do think it's a useful concept at its core. Yeah. I think I but I also feel kind of like it could have been told in a pamphlet. Could have been a pamphlet. Could have just been this online quiz. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz then the back half of the book is it gets much more explicitly Christian where he's like, "Well, in the Gospel of Luke it says like whatever." And I'm like, "All right, none of this was in Jesus Christ Superstar, so I don't need to know it." <laughs> 
I, you know, I did go to catechism class for like 10 years and I don't remember the part where Jesus was like, here are the five ways. Jesus was like, no softball on funeral days, bro. <laughs> Here's some stuff that's not in the book. Mm. Yeah. So I'm well, I'm going to read a little bit from a couple articles that we'll link to. Here's one from The Cut that was posted recently, February 14th, 2022, by Katie Heaney. And it's entitled, There's No Escaping the Five Love Languages. And she's talking about how these love languages are still popular and she sees them on TikToks and memes and stuff. So here's the quote from this article. Because they were developed in the 1980s and 90s by a Christian counselor and pastor, a now old white straight man, it feels like there should be something objectionable lurking beneath the surface, as demonstrated by the friends I spoke to who preceded their love languages enthusiasm with disclaimers. The guy who wrote them is like a Christian fundamentalist who has sexist beliefs. A friend in her mid-20s texted me before adding that her love language is acts of service. To paraphrase a popular Christian tenet, the language's secular appeal has a love the sin, hate the sinner vibe. So that is that. And then I read this other article from 2021 from Scary Mommy blog website written by uh, Kristen May. And this article is entitled, The Creator of the Five Love Languages is a Homophobe and This is Why We Can't Have Nice Things. Okay. Like, to the point. Kristen is a queer woman who writes how she has really liked these love languages, how she also is a parent and uses the five love languages for children and thinks it's like a useful parenting guide. And she thinks these are useful. And then learning about some whack shit that Gary Chapman said on his website. And I'm not going to read these out loud because I don't think we necessarily need to like commit this to air on the podcast. We'll link to the article if you want to read it. The cut articles talked about like loving the sin, hating the sinner, meaning to love the five love languages and hate the sinner, Gary Chapman. He's basically using that about queerness as a sin, which again, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's yeah. it's basically that. It's not on a scale of like one to 10 with 10 being the most hateful of like send your kid to conversion camp or like whatever. It's not as nasty as that, but it's not loving. It's not good. Obviously, there's a lot of like really great Christian folks in the world who are queer and, you know, a lot of different types of Christianity that embrace queer people. But the kind of like fundamentalist Christian feelings of like, well, you know, if you can find it in your heart to try to make yourself care about your, you know, gay friend, despite knowing that they're an abomination to God, like pat yourself on the back because, you know, you can still love that person and hate this fundamental thing about them. And that makes you a good person. Yeah. And so this Scary Mommy article that we'll link to, they pulled quotes from these posts that were on his website and then they link to the posts. But now if you click on those posts, they've all been scrubbed from it if you search his website now there's there's only one reference to the word gay or homosexual and it's 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 not any of these posts that are worse than what's currently up there the only thing that's there now is a mention in a study guide for a book he wrote called how to really love your adult child and it's like a discussion question for like when your book club reads it and this question is our culture's treatment of those who are homosexual has changed radically in recent years 
If one of your children has announced he or she is gay, how did you react? How might such news be especially difficult for religious parents to hear? I'm doing a jerk-off motion with my hand. <laughs> Why? Is there a difference between orientation and lifestyle? Why do the authors, authors suggest that you, quote, accept your child? In what ways can you practically do this? Jerk-off motion. That said this even being like in question form like it's it's nicer than the stuff that's been deleted and i think that first sentence of like our culture's treatment has radically changed in recent years i think he's been like okay like in my heart i'm still homophobic but i think people don't like this i'm gonna delete it from my website and okay yeah like (laughs) the article calling out the homophobic parts of this website went up less than a year ago yeah so you know it definitely doesn't feel like a case of like oh like i've i've thought about it and i've changed my heart and i don't feel the same way i did in march 2021 and more like (laughs) ah shit (laughs) yeah delete 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 delete. yeah because again i mean i do think that People can change and grow, and I don't think that we should necessarily like, lock people into whatever terrible thing they said, you know, in an archived tweet or whatever. But yeah, this is from like a year ago, and it's not like he replaced it with a statement saying like, I'm so sorry, like how could I possibly ever think that it's just like nothing <laughs> or or this really weak sauce discussion question. So like, yeah, like – He's he's an old white man who's a pastor at a Baptist church in North Carolina. He probably still kind of sucks on that level. But the love languages themselves are, you know, fine. Yeah. Better than men are from Mars. Yes. You know, it's a it's a useful way, I think. Like at at the end of the day, I, the single person, think that, you know, having being very open and communicative with your partners is the best way to go. And I think that the love languages are a really good way to frame how you are thinking about your relationship and what you think you need from your partner and vice versa. But again, could have been a pamphlet. Yeah. I think also I'm thinking of that episode of This American Life, where it's an interview with a guy who... He had really conservative parents. Like they were in they were an immigrant family to the US and he had like really conservative parents. And the dad read men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and it totally like blew the dad's mind and totally like revolutionized the way that he cared for his wife and cared for his children and like really was a huge improvement. And I I'll link to that episode. It's pretty old. Like I think a lot of people have heard it at this point. But just that idea, like even things that are sort of bad for the right audience can be really helpful and can really like change your perspective. And you, I definitely do think that especially for older folks, not to generalize, but again, like I do kind of think my parents could read this book, especially just the first half of it. And like, get something useful out of it. Yeah. Or, or a pamphlet as Kate is saying. I'm going to read another quote from this scary mommy article by Kristen May. If you feel hoodwinked by Chapman's teachings like I do, but you would still like to keep working on being the best partner, parent, and friend, consider instead following the teachings of Drs. John and Julie Gottman. The Gottmans use similar concepts of simply paying attention to the kinds of gestures that are most meaningful to your partner and demonstrating your love accordingly. However, they note that a person's primary love language likely is not fixed and is often context-specific. 
Sometimes words of affirmation are most important, and sometimes a thoughtful gift is more appreciated than anything else. They also point out that some of Chapman's singular languages, like quality time, are critical ingredients in every relationship. Like, yeah, good point, Dr. Scottman. Got whatever. So I I looked at their website, the Gottman Institute, and they have written several books. They're a married couple, uh, and they're both actually like licensed therapists and psychologists, unlike Gary Chapman, who, like we said, is a pastor in a church. I haven't read any of their full books. I just like clicked on their websites, but I do think it's probably a good recommendation and a good point that, like, yeah, and and Chapman does acknowledge that too. Like, yeah, like we all use parts of the five love languages in our times yeah you know and i i think that you also brought up a good point renata that like even sometimes things that we think are especially i find like if you're extremely online like we are as these concepts rip through popular culture you get like a 15 minute soundbite about them frequently i don't know how i miss the five love languages but you know that's life so you do, it does give you this sort of like wide range of shallow knowledge about things that I think sometimes can make us feel like everyone has that, you know, and it's very easy to say like, well, well, why, why aren't they doing this? Or why are they still saying this? Like, don't they know it's a bad thing? And it's like, well, no, they, they probably don't, you know, like yeah. there is, there is a lot of concepts in books and you know, movements and things like this, that folks who do not spend all of their time addicted to Twitter probably aren't aware of and could use, could find helpful because not everyone is as enlightened <laughs> as <laughs> we like to think they are. Oh, I thought you were going to say as we are. And no. I was like, well, <laughs> I would never call myself enlightened. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. That's why I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> So again, we'll link to that. I do think it's good to be aware of who is saying these things. And yeah, we're we're certainly we've learned our lesson from Matthew McConaughey. We're not we're certainly not out here like Gary Chapman's a great man. No. Not that not that I ever <laughs> you know, I, I don't need to get into it. I, I think one day we might have to do a bonus episode of Kate and Renata's bizarre history with inside jokes. And how very quickly it starts to go too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and we never were on this track with Gary Chapman. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are also, we mentioned the five love languages for children. There's a bunch of spinoffs. There's five love languages for military couples. And he does use a lot of examples in this one about military couples. And it's kind of like chicken soup for the soul except for love languages like yeah i did a quick glance at amazon before we started and i counted like seven individual titles on the first two pages you know without counting like duplicates or different languages or abridged or whatever or workbooks and i didn't go any further than that so there's at least seven probably many more books that he has written about this concept but for different audiences yeah, there's including five love languages for single people, which I briefly thought about like, oh, should I read that to compare? And then I was like, no, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I should you. use this as quality time with people instead. Yes, quality time with my good friend Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> uh, one other thing in Gary Chapman's pile of degrees, which are mostly religious based, you might have noticed I mentioned he does have a master's in anthropology. And I think in some ways that gives him an interesting perspective where, for example, he talks in here about when he was first approached about having this translated. Um, I think the first other version was Spanish. And he says, well, I'm not opposed to having it translated, but, you know, I'm an anthropologist and I wrote this based on my studies of like Western, you know, American people. And I'm not really sure all these concepts will translate to another culture. And the Spanish, like Spain, Spanish publisher was like, no, it totally does. Like Spanish people are like this, too. And just hearing from publishers and other. And of course, also those publishers just want to make money. (laughs) But, you know, hearing this from people in other countries, like as it comes into translation that these concepts do hold true in other cultures and he's sort of more respectful than I would have expected about being like, you know, in in some cultures there's different norms about physical touching and like, you know, in some cultures there's this, it's certainly not the main focus of the book, but the little crumbs that he tosses out, he's, he's much more cultural, culturally aware of like other cultures than he is about like LGBTQ issues for sure. Uh, yeah, so time to get into some dramatic readings. Yes. Yeah, I I started on that as kind of a segue into my first dramatic reading, which is a, a kind of weird little anecdote from when he was working as an anthropologist. When I studied anthropology, I was able to visit people. This is not a typo. I was able to visit people groups all over the world. I went to Central America and studied the advanced cultures of the Mayans and the Aztecs. I crossed the Pacific and studied the tribal peoples of Melanesia and Polynesia. I studied the Eskimos of the Northern Tundra and the Aboriginal Ainus of Japan. I examined the cultural patterns surrounding love and marriage and found that in every culture I studied, gift-giving was a part of the love-marriage process. Anthropologists are intrigued by cultural patterns that tend to pervade cultures, and so was I. Could it be that gift-giving is a fundamental expression of love that transcends cultural barriers? One of my anthropology field trips was to the island of Dominica. Our purpose was to study the culture of the Carib Indians, and on this trip I met Fred. Fred was not a Carib, but was a young black man of 28 years. Fred had lost a hand in a fishing-by-dynamite accident. Since the accident, he could not continue his fishing career. He had plenty of available time, and I welcomed his companionship. We spent hours together talking about his culture. During my first visit to Fred's house, he said to me, Mr. Gary, would you like to have some juice? To which I responded enthusiastically. He turned to his younger brother and said, go get Mr. Gary some juice. His brother turned, walked down the dirt path, climbed a coconut tree, and returned with a green coconut. Open it, Fred commanded. With three swift movements of the machete, his brother uncorked the coconut, leaving a triangular hole at the top. Fred handed me the coconut and said, juice for you. It was green, but I drank it, all of it, because I knew it was a gift of love. I was his friend, and to friends, you give juice. At the end of our weeks together, as I prepared to leave that small island, Fred gave me a final token of his love. It was a crooked stick 14 inches in length that he had taken from the ocean. It was silky smooth from pounding upon the rocks. Fred said that the stick had lived on the shores of Dominica for a long time, and he wanted me to have it as a reminder of the beautiful island. Even today, when I look at that stick, I can almost hear the sound of the Caribbean waves, but it is not so much a reminder of Dominica as it is a reminder of love. 
Yeah. And again, like, I don't think this is a podcast where we're going to dig into how the entire, like, history of Western anthropology is kind of, you know, whack and colonialist. Like, just. Yeah. 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 But it did make him slightly more culturally aware than you might expect for an old white man to be. Okay. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. All right. I am going to do my dramatic reading of the uh, softball incident that I referenced earlier. The gift of self. There is an intangible gift that sometimes speaks more loudly than a gift that can be held in one's hand. I call it the gift of self or the gift of presence. Being there when your spouse needs you speaks loudly to the one whose primary love language is receiving gifts. Sonia once said to me, my husband loves softball more than he loves me. Why do you say that? I inquired. On the day our baby was born, he played softball. I was lying in the hospital all afternoon while he played softball, she said. Was he there when the baby was born? He stayed long enough for the baby to be born, but 10 minutes afterward, he left. It was awful. It was such an important moment in our lives. I wanted us to share it together. I wanted Tony to be there with me. That baby was now 15 years old, and Sonia was talking about the event with all the emotion as though it had happened yesterday. I probed further. Have you based your conclusion that Tony loves softball more than he loves you on this one experience? No, she said. On the day of my mother's funeral, he also played softball. Did he go to the funeral? Yes, he did. He went to the funeral, but as soon as it was over, he left to get to his game. I couldn't believe it. My brothers and sisters came to the house with me, but my husband was playing softball. Later, I asked Tony about those two events. He knew exactly what I was talking about. I knew she would bring that up, he said. I was there all through the labor and when the baby was born. I took pictures. I was so happy. I couldn't wait to tell the guys on my team, but my bubble was burst when I got back to the hospital that evening. She was furious with me. I couldn't believe what she was saying. I thought she would be proud of me for telling them. And when her mother died? She probably didn't tell you I took off work for a week before she died and spent the whole week at the hospital and at her mother's house doing repairs and helping out. After she died and the funeral was over, I felt I had done all I could do. I needed a breather. I liked to play softball, and I knew that that would help me relax and release some of the stress I'd been under. I thought she would want me to take a break. I had done what I thought was important to her, but it wasn't enough. She has never let me forget those two days. She says that I love softball more than her. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so it, it, it's not that ridiculous, Tony. <laughs> it's it's kind of wild, yeah. Okay, and as I prepare for the final and wildest dramatic reading i am realizing we forgot to mention one kind of core concept of the love languages which we did allude to in the very intro but never returned to which is the love tank oh right and this idea that you know any any act of love can fill up your love tank but if it's a correct match for your love languages it's going to make you feel more loved and like fill up the love tank and if you're not getting any love you're going to have an empty love tank and he says love tank a lot and it's pretty funny yeah. <laughs> and again i do think kind of a valuable concept like i wouldn't maybe call it a love tank but even just thinking of friends like if i haven't heard from someone in a while you get a little empty love tank and then maybe out of the blue they're like hey do you want to go do something or whatever and then you're like Again, this is kind of basic, but, like, you just have to – it's this idea that, like, you have an ongoing need to, like, maintain relationships, I guess, at its core. 
is the love tank. And he talks about how people, like, if you have the people who have the hardest time determining what their primary love language is when they first learn about this concept, people who have a very full love tank can't really tell because they're just so used to feeling love that they're not really sure what makes them feel most loved. Or people who have a really empty love tank have a hard time telling what makes them feel most loved because they're just sort of like so desperate for any affection that any of the love languages will, you know, fill up that tank. (laughs) Okay, so that's the love tank concept and it's referred to in in this dramatic reading that I'm going to get into. Marcus had made the mistake common to many men, assuming that physical touch is their primary love language because they desire sexual intercourse so intensely. For the male, sexual desire is physically based. That is, the desire for sexual intercourse is stimulated by the buildup of sperm cells and seminal fluid in the seminal vesicles. When the seminal vesicles are full, there is a physical push for release. Thus, the male's desire for sexual intercourse has a physical root. For the female, sexual desire is far more influenced by her emotions. If she feels loved and admired and appreciated by her husband, then she has a desire to be physically intimate without him. But without the emotional closeness, she may have little physical desire. Her biological sexual drive is closely tied to her emotional need for love. Because the male is physically pushed to have sexual release on a somewhat regular basis, he may automatically assume that this is his primary love language. But if he does not enjoy physical touch at other times and in non-sexual ways, it may not be his love language at all. Sexual desire is quite different from his emotional need to feel loved. That doesn't mean that sexual intercourse is unimportant to him. It is extremely important. But sexual intercourse alone will not meet his need to feel loved. His wife must speak his primary emotional love language as well. When, in fact, his wife speaks his primary love language and his emotional love tank is full, and he speaks her primary love language and her emotional tank is full, the sexual aspect of their relationship will take care of itself. Okay, bud. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, as you can imagine, Gary Chapman, uh, it's not a trans-inclusive book. Are you surprised? (laughs) (laughs) You surprised by that? (laughs) I'm also, like... I'm not a bald scientist, but <laughs> but neither is Dr. Chapman. Like, I'm not fact-checking this at all, but that sounds real fake. <laughs> oh, boy. If you're listening to this and you are a bald scientist, please write in. <laughs> so that's, that's this book. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not terrible. If you are curious, you know, again, I would probably recommend Wikipediaing it. I don't think there's anything from the book that you can't get from articles about the five love languages. Yeah, you can take the quiz on his website. The quiz is free. It's fun to take quizzes. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, that brings us pretty neatly into Reader's Advisory, where we suggest some stuff to read instead of or in addition to this book. Uh, again, probably instead of, but just worse stuff you could read. Better stuff. I mean, we already mentioned the the Gottman Institute and their books that were mentioned in Kristen May's Scary Mommy article, and we'll link to that. We, of course, would always recommend Boston Globe's Love Letters column and podcast by friend of the show, the Meredith Goldstein. Mm-hmm. Of course. 
Oh, never not recommending love letters. I also, it's more for folks. It's more about sex than specifically about relationships, but it is about how sex interacts with relationships. But Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski is a really enlightening book. I highly recommend it to people who, you know, are struggling to put sexuality in the context of their own body. I I haven't read that, but I've heard other people like rave about it. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, Yeah, a couple others that I have read that are relationship adjacent or sort of about relationships. I don't read a lot of books in this, you know, general umbrella of things, but All About Love by Bell Hooks, uh, Fed Up by Gemma Hartley, who is the person who wrote that article originally about uh, emotional labor and has a whole book, too, that goes into, you know, that, among other things. Yeah, I I honestly, I don't really have any other books. That's fine. I think you really just need one, probably. That I think you just need one book that works for you, and then you can solve all your problems. Yes. So we'll have those at our website, (laughs) worstbestsellers.com. Now is the time when normally normally we play the rock, paper, snicked, and I am proposing that we fold the rock, paper, snicked into an absolutely unhinged new game that I have developed that I am calling and this is going to I think this is going to sweep the nation. I think it's going to trend <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> it's going to have a really long hashtag that's going to make it hard. It's going to make it hard, but it will. And uh this game is called fucking, marrying, killing, colon, gifting, affirming, serving, touching and quality timing. Okay. And uh <laughs> it's and this game is, of course, uh, building on fucking marrying, killing, which we play in tribute to Bill O'Reilly's killing books. And and that game, of course, is where you have three figures and you choose one to fucking, one to marrying, and one to killing. And then I'm combining it with these five love languages of gifting, affirming, servicing, touching, and quality timing. The more times I say it, the more, the less sense it makes. <laughs> you are, I mean, it did not make very much sense to begin with. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what we're going to lean into. <laughs> that's... So the way this game works is I have, for each of the five lang- love languages, I have identified someone who I believe their primary love language is that language. And of these five people, we will choose. This is like our, our base that we're drawing from. And so of these five people, we'll fucking one, marrying one, killing one. And then the other two leftovers can go play softball. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) gifting I, I believe Christian Gray's primary love language is gifts. Affirming. I believe The Rock's primary love language is affirming words delivered as inspirational speeches on his Instagram. Servicing. I believe that Wolverine's primary love language is acts of service because stabbing is a service. <laughs> Touching. I believe that Bella Swan Collins' love language primarily is touch. And quality timing. I believe that Anastasia Steele's, Steele Gray's uh, primary love language is quality time. Because, you know, she always just wanted to spend time with Christian. She didn't care that much about his fancy gifts. She did care about his dick, though. 
Anyway, those are my five people and the love languages I have assigned to them. Okay. And now I have to choose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we'll both play. Okay. Yeah, but of these five, you're fucking one, marrying one, killing one, and softballing the other two. <laughs> okay. Well, I I feel like as much as I think that all of her times observing and I'm sure playing vampire baseball would make Bella a good uh, candidate for softballing, I am instead going to fucking Bella Swan. Mm. Pre or post vampire? Um, I guess pre because I don't want to be killed. Yeah, you don't want to break the bed. Yeah. Or, you know, be, well, I guess she's a vegetarian vampire. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever, whichever. I'm not, I guess. If it's like, if it's, if you're hosting, human. If she's hosting, break her bed. That's fine. That's fine. She's rich. Marrying, I'm going to go with The Rock. Mm -hmm. Killing, I'm going to go with Christian Grey. And uh, I hope that Wolverine and Anastasia Steele have a good time softballing together. <laughs> oh, what a good game. <laughs> Specifically, I mean, their game of softball, not my game of fucking bank. <laughs> not this insane Colin. game that you came up with for us to play solo. <laughs> not this. Uh, this is a good game. It's just not as, it's just not as good as <laughs> Uh, me me leaving my future spouse's funeral early so I can go home and play fucking marrying, killing, calling, gifting, affirming, servicing, touching. <laughs> um. Anyway, I'm killing Christian Gray. <laughs> I'm. I'm yeah okay I'm marrying the rock I'm fucking Wolverine and Bella and Anastasia are softballing that feels right how exciting for them to find out how much they have in common yes (laughs) so weird it's almost like they're the same person (laughs) yep um great game great game (laughs) Well, great game. Look forward to more rounds of fucking marrying, killing, calling, colon, gifting, affirming, servicing, touching, and quality timing. Which, oh, okay. So the for sure, that would be FMK colon G-A-S-T-Q-T, of course, <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> Look forward to future rounds of that game. Probably not ever. Uh, <laughs> um. And instead, let's. What do you think the candy pairing for this book is? I personally am going to go with M and M's, which are you know generic, generally non offensive. You know, can hit that spot when you are like, oh, I just need a little something sweet, which is me. I always just need like a little too much candy. Is not a, a good palate. I don't. Too, too much candy doesn't work for me. So, you know, you can couple, but it starts to become very overwhelming very easily. And, you know, a, a person like me would think like, oh, all you really need in the world is like mini size bags of M&Ms. And then you go to the store and you see like the five gallon size M&Ms at Costco and you're like, this is too much M&Ms. And that's kind of how I feel about this whole franchise. 
Wait, Kate, this is also perfect because I know you haven't been on social media as much. Did you catch any of the furor about the M&Ms being less horny? Yes, I did. I did see on the other social media that I am on that fucking Tucker Carlson is mad that the M&Ms aren't sexy anymore. Yeah. So that also seems appropriate somehow. (laughs) Just to tie in. (laughs) Tucker Carlson wants to be fucking the green M&M, but not anymore. And that's why we're killing Tucker Carlson <laughs> and marrying the brown Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> Along that vein, my candy pairing for this is uh, Skittles, specifically American Skittles, since they changed the green one from lime to green apple, which is just like worse than lime. But like overall, still a pretty good candy like one that i'm i'm drawn to and i i like a lot of the skittles but then there's just like these bad green ones in it and the green ones are homophobic (laughs) in the analogy of this book not that i think that the green skittles specifically are homophobic i'm going to start a rumor that you think that green skittles are homophobic (laughs) red m&ms cause cancer and green skittles cause homophobia You heard it here on Worst Bestsellers, a well-researched, fact-checked podcast. (laughs) We may not be ball scientists, but we are candiologists. Absolutely. (laughs) So what do you think the moral of the story is? Um, Is it that we're not ball scientists? (laughs) I think that's a pretty good one. I, I think that my moral is that, like, I don't know, I think memes should be a love language. Memes should be a love language. Yeah, I mean, my moral of the story is that, sincerely, I think you can take whatever pieces of a work of literature are useful to you, and you don't have to take the whole thing. You don't have to read the weird Gospel of Luke anecdotes at the end. You can just stop reading, baby. (laughs) Go eat some candy. (laughs) But not the green M&Ms. They'll cause homophobia. Or green Skittles. Not the green Skittles. They'll cause homophobia. Yeah, the green M&Ms will cause horniness, except not anymore. (laughs) It's really complicated, actually. Uh, Good thing we are candyologists to keep track of this. Okay, we did hear a little bit from Duarte earlier, but let's check in with him again for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. What a weird little guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Duarte, do you think it's rude that he doesn't have, he has so many spinoffs and he doesn't have the five love languages of pets? I know, you know, but it's fine because, you know, you're a cat who can read and we do recognize that your love language is touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Touch, touch on his conditions, which is, you know, just right. Like you can, you can set your own boundaries. And when you don't want to be petted anymore, you let me know that through a bite. <laughs> <laughs> just like Dr. Gary Chapman suggests. <laughs> so useful mm-hmm. all right thanks for joining us story day i love you <laughs> uh do any humans have any closing thoughts i you know it's this was fine it's short i mean obviously mm-hmm. it could have been a pamphlet so it could have been shorter but on my speed the book was only like two hours long 
wild. Yeah, it's a quick read. The book itself is less offensive than the outside the book stuff of Gary Chapman's. Yeah. You know, and it feels it feels like annoying, but only in like regular life background radiation, sexist and like cishet centered. Yeah. Like I was talking about it with someone earlier this week and I, you know, I was like, oh, it's just kind of like heteronormative, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, like, like dating advice from Jordan Peterson. I was like, no, it's not as bad as that. I reacted like really strongly. And we haven't even read Jordan Peterson's book. I'm just confident that this is better than that. Please don't suggest we read Jordan Peterson's book, please. No, we're not doing it. You listen to how unhinged we are now. Like the psychic damage we've taken is already taking its toll. (laughs) We're never going to be able to go back to school and become ball scientists. We're too damaged. Uh, so if you want to come talk to us on social media, but not to tell us to read Jordan Peterson's book, please. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers, spelled normally. We're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because... As you know, my love language is gifts, and I gave that S um, to a red Skittle as a gift. It's gone. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group that's best accessed by going to our website, worstbestsellers.com, and clicking on the Goodreads link. You can find us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all the places where you find podcasts. And if you do find us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. If you don't rate and review, then we are definitely skipping your birthday party to go play softball with our friends. (laughs) With our friends, Bella and Anastasia. Yes. Uh, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly donation that goes to us to do things to maintain this podcast, like buy equipment and pay for accountants and all sorts of things. Uh, in return, there are perks for you, like a newsletter, uh, stickers in the mail, uh, postcards, all sorts of different things. We also have merch available by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the merch button, where there are all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body. And finally, at worstbestsellers.com, you can also find a link to our Discord group where folks gather to talk about episodes, to talk about old episodes, to talk about television, to talk about their cats, to talk about which of the M&Ms they think are most fuckable really anything that passes through their brains um by the way kate i just want to mention like in this closing section you keep mentioning that we use our patreon money to pay for accountants and i just feel like that makes us sound like we have an office or something like i feel like that phrase sounds so fancy (laughs) and i just want to be clear that it is simply that because the patreon income is at a level where we have to tell the government about it we're just like paying for tax preparation instead of trying to do it ourselves Uh, like it's that's that's why it's it's on my mind recent expense yeah that's why it's been on my mind recently is i usually pull some expenses that we've recently had and we have been doing tax prep for the past couple months so yes we don't have an in-house accountant who lives in like my closet and runs numbers for us with like an old-timey calculator although that would be cool that that's the next patreon tier i guess (laughs) Um, I just I don't know I just want to I don't know if anyone else has been listening like why do they need accountants and it's it's like literally just tax prep because (laughs) of like 
it's a circular thing where like we need the Patreon to spend money on the tax prep, but we need the tax prep because of the Patreon. Do not let this dissuade you from supporting our Patreon because we really do appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we're already paying for the account, so, you know, more money. <laughs> uh, and what's left will go into Duarte's college fund. Yes. <laughs> so he can he become, can a, become ball a ball scientist. scientist. <laughs> it's really cruel for him because he is neutered, but... <laughs> but maybe that's, like, what drives him. <laughs> this is... God, we just get this way whenever we don't have a guest to keep us in line. It's true. I mean, nothing nothing will be as bad as worst bestsellers nights Karen's plane trip. <laughs> as bad or as good, <laughs> depending on what kind of energy you're looking for from your podcast. <sighs> uh, that that's where we're at right now is yeah. at this level <laughs> um so depending on how you feel about this energy you may or may not be happy to know that in two weeks we'll be back with the kissing booth by beth Rickles, and we will have two guests on that that we're very excited about having and they should they should keep this chaos down i think yes <laughs> they will temper this nonsense <sighs> uh so we look forward to that and we'll see you then uh thanks and we love you five different ways we do bye (laughs) bye Correct. Yes. Okay. Delete, delete, delete. Um, <laughs> I like how you keep noting things that we should delete. Like, I, I'll listen to that and be like, nah, this is important. It stays in that we don't know how our own podcast goes. <laughs>